Your financial plan will be tested time after time. You need a plan you know will withstand the test of time. Welcome to the Tempest Podcast with Daniel Pakin, Robert Schlesinger and the rest of the team from Tempest Financial Group. In this podcast, we help business owners and families create a financial plan rooted in fundamental financial principles. Join us for this journey where we explore time-tested financial, retirement and tax strategies built to protect, save and grow through a lifelong relationship. Let the show begin. Okay, welcome to the Tempest Podcast. I'm Dan Pakin here again with my partner, Rob Schlesinger. Hi, Rob. Uh, we have uh, two guests, very special guests with us today. We've got Pete Heckman and Chris Weber from Tempest MD. How are you guys? Hi, Dan. We're good. <laughs> so today's podcast is going to be about a very important topic, disability insurance. And uh, just to give context as to where we're at in these series of podcasts, we're going in order of the philosophy we take when we speak to our clients and we help our clients. We believe there's a proper order to go through in addressing uh, these financial items. So if you recall, we went through this in our in our first podcast. I'm sure all of you tuned into that. But the order is um, speaking about liability insurance, disability insurance, your legal documents, life insurance, savings, savings rate, um, the amount you should have liquid, your debt structure, and then finally investing and investment philosophy. Uh, here we are. This is uh, this is number two in the philosophy. We we spoke about liability in the last one, and um, the reason why this one is so important is we really do abide by a philosophy of protection first. And that is so important because as much as we can talk about saving a lot of money for you and investment strategies that are going to maximize your wealth, really it's all out the window if something goes wrong. And, and one of the main ways something can go wrong is a disability. This is something happens where either you get sick or hurt and now you're no longer able to work. And you know what I always talk to my clients about is, well, what is your greatest asset? It's not your house. It's not your investment account. The greatest asset you have is quite simply your ability to make an income. You are the engine that uh, it makes your whole financial plan work. I always kind of say like, think of yourself as an ATM machine. You're just spitting out this money. Disability insurance is insurance on that ATM machine. We're going to dive into that. Pete and Chris spend a lot of time in the disability space. I'm going to turn it over to Rob to introduce them and just kind of give a, a little uh, preview of what we'll be talking about today. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Dan. Pete Heckman here and Chris Chris Weber. These guys are the experts in this space. This this is mainly all, all they do and where they live on a daily basis is just having these conversations they are constantly doing speaking engagements and seminars, and they really do know everything there is to know about disability insurance. Uh, they've both been doing this for you know 17 plus years or so. We brought Pete onto Tempest about five, six years ago, and um, more recently in 2022, brought Chris Weber onto the team and have sort of uh, branded this Tempest MD. Uh, which we're really proud of and uh, you know, have been delivering that additional value to all of our clients. 
they also have a specialty where, you know, they really work with anybody, but they spend a lot of their time and energy and focus in the physician marketplace. So without further ado, Chris Weber, Pete Heckman, welcome to the Tempest podcast. Thanks for having us, guys. Awesome. To to get us started, and you know, we're going to talk about various items within the disability arena. Um, starting with you know the simple things, you know, what is disability insurance? Who needs it? Um, the you know difference in definitions between group policies and individual policies. Um, we all know that cost is in the background. Um, what does that look like? What are some of the important things to consider? What are some statistics around disability insurance? How likely is it that we're going to need this and experience this? So um, let's jump in. So starting with the basics, Pete, I'll, I'll, I'll let you take this one. Just what is disability insurance? Disability insurance is just like any other form of insurance uh, in that it's meant to replace something that's been lost or prevent you from subsequent losses. Uh, in the event that something goes wrong. So disability insurance, simply put, is uh, a tool to replace your income in the event that you get hurt or sick and can no longer generate an income. Awesome. Thank you. What's Thank the, what's the, Pete, there's short-term disability, long-term disability, like what, what's the difference? Yeah. So they're, they're pretty, um, the, the way they're titled is fairly straightforward. Short-term disability typically lasts for no more than six months to a year. It kicks in fairly quickly in the event that someone does get hurt or sick, but it's meant to be a very finite uh, payment, set of payments uh, to last not more than usually a year. Two years at most, but it's pretty common to see either a six-month or a 12-month benefit period for a short-term disability policy. The long-term disability policies, and that's where we spend most of our time, they're meant to run for as long as someone is unable to work, either up until age 65 or sometimes age 70 or even lifetime, depending on the contract. That's the more important piece of the planning insofar as when we're doing insurance planning, the goal is to protect against the catastrophic. Obviously, a three-month disability where you're able to go back to work is not going to destroy your balance sheet, but something that's going to keep you out for a longer period of time has the potential to do so. They're both, they're both relevant and they're conversations we have, but the long-term disability piece is the part that we, um, we want to make sure we get right. Yeah, and I think from, you know, the context and perspective of this being part of an overall planning model, right? We think of short-term disability. Yes, you should have it. It's definitely important, but that's also where liquidity comes in and, you know, your emergency savings, if you will, right? We can get through three or six or even 12 months, but what if you're out for three or five or 10 years or forever for that matter? That's really where the, you know, priority and emphasis of the conversation and real impact would come into play. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it, it's the same with almost all of the insurance planning. We want clients to be self-insured against the small exposures, but defer the larger exposures to the, the, the broader shoulders of the insurance carriers. So in a perfect model, a planning client has six months to a year's worth of their expenses tucked away in a, in a savings account such that the necessity of paying premiums for a short-term disability policy really isn't essential. But in, in no in no planning model that we've seen, do we ever want the client to absorb the full responsibility of their assets to protect them against a long-term disability because it's such a financially devastating thing to not be able to work for a protracted period of time. Or or rely on others. Yeah. Can I think a lot of people think of disability as 
it's not, I, I can't see that happening. I have a desk job. How could I get disabled? I'm, you know, sitting at a computer all day. Can you guys speak to like, what, what, what typically happens when someone gets disabled? What are some of these sicknesses or injuries that are common for, for when claims occur? I mean, it could, it could be anything. It could be anything. That, the way these plans work, the plans that we, we talk about or we recommend to clients are plans that are something called the own occupation definition, which really means it specializes uh, what a client does. So it says if this client gets sick or this client gets injured and they can't do what's called the material and substantial duties of their occupation, they're considered sick or injured. They'll start getting a benefit. They can do whatever else they want to do. They can make as much money, do whatever else they want to do. Uh, and they're still going to get that benefit. And I think it is very specific to, to the client. And it basically means anything at all that could stop them from doing that would be considered a claim. So there's common claims, there's uncommon claims. But like we've seen in our career, we've seen a lot of things where clients have called up and said, look, I'm having, I'm going through this right now. I, I'm not able to work either. I'm totally out of work or I'm going to be not able to work my you know, 10, 11, 12 hours a day. And I need something from the insurance company. So both of those would be claims. You could have a partial claim. You could have a total claim. Uh, you could even have a claim where you're out for a while. You come back to work. You go back to your practice. You go back to your office, back wherever it may be. Maybe you're a little bit older. Maybe you're just a little bit slower because you've gotten older. And because you were sick or injured, you've actually lost income. Like you're back to work. You're fully healthy. You feel better than you've ever felt, let's just say. But maybe you've lost, if you're a physician, maybe you lost some patients. If you have a, a job where you're, you own a, a company, Maybe you lost some clients because you were out for a long time. And what these insurance companies will do is they'll actually say, okay, it's called the recovery benefit. We'll keep giving you part of this benefit until your income is closer to where it was before you were sick or injured. When people think about getting sick or injured, it could be anything. It could be anything that stops you from, from doing your job. Yeah, I think, Dan, to your question too, people think of disability as a body cast, a coma, sort of some sort of completely, you know, inert state where you're unable to work in any capacity. But the common claims are partial claims, which mean that the, the much more common claims are partial claims, meaning that there's something that's either slowing you down or limiting your, your time at work from maybe say instead of a five-day week, you're doing a three-day week, something like that. Yeah, even like, you know, a car accident, we have to go to physical therapy for a while there after all those sorts of things. They all they all come within the, the umbrella of disability claims, uh, you know, that you would be covered for. Sure. And, or, and uh, Pete, that's like, that's a really, really big point because I think oftentimes when I'm having these conversations with clients, they'll say, oh yeah, I have that through work, right? I have disability, I have long-term disability through work. And you know, this is November uh, in 2023. It's kind of like open, popular open enrollment time for a lot of companies out there. But a partial disability in most cases is not going to be honored in a group disability policy, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I think I think that's a whole another can of worms to compare the group insurance that we're often provided with in private plans. They're extremely different. And the experiences that people have trying to collect group benefits versus the experiences they have collecting on their private benefits are a night and day difference in terms of how that goes. And we can talk more about that. Let's let's get into that a little bit, actually, because I think that's really, really important. I think the majority of clients that we work with are sort of dependent and reliant on solely that group policy and are often really not aware of what that actually covers, what events that covers, how much income they're actually protecting. So I think kind of going through some pros and cons of 
the group versus individual is is really valuable. And of course, there's many other clients that we work with that are their own business owners and don't have any group policy where, you know, they obviously need to have something. But yeah, getting into the group versus individual, I think would be a good conversation to have. Um, yeah. I think, go ahead, Chris, go ahead. I was just going to say the group, the way we always talk about group coverage, it is, it's better than having no coverage at all, but it's not much better. Right? It's not much better than having no coverage because it is so limited. And when you join a company, you sign a sheet of paper, they give you group coverage. And from how much is that usually? Like, what do they cover? Typically? It's typically free or close to free. The the cost for it and, and the, the benefit. Company, yeah, it, the benefit will be typically it could be up to sixty percent of of income, but often it's a smaller number. Uh, it really depends by contract to contract. But the things that are I think universally with all these group plans, they don't really know who you are. So when you do get sick or injured, often if you're if you're the client and now you're sick or injured, you look at the company and you say, oh, look, I, uh, this is going on. What, what happens here? And they're going to say, oh, you know, don't don't look at us. Look at the insurance company. Right. You're, you you sign this with the insurance company. You didn't sign this with us. This is the insurance company. Deal with them. And then the client will then have to the, the person will have to then contact the insurance company. And the insurance company is going to say, look, we don't really know who you are. Yeah, you signed this sheet of paper. We're like, we've never met you. We don't know, we don't know anything about you. So we'll have to like figure this out. What we're going to do is you're saying you're sick, you're saying you're injured. Uh, we have we have a physician that we hire that we pay money to, and they're going to come talk to you and they're going to come decide. So immediately it's a concern because now you're saying, well, wait a second, I got this group plan. I'm sick or I'm injured and I want to put a claim in. And now they're going to send their doctors out. Like, what about my doctor? Well, they're not really concerned about your doctor. They're concerned about the insurance companies using their doctor. And now we have to think this doctor that's coming out to see you is the doctor in the best interest of you or is the doctor in the best interest of the insurance company who they're the insurance company who's paying this doctor money so that that becomes like your first big hurdle then there's a lot of other hurdles some of the hurdles are the waiting time is a lot longer you know we with individual plans are typically 90 day waiting periods the group plans are typically 180 day waiting period so you're waiting a lot longer and those definitions are going to be very basic they're going to basically say look if you get sick or get injured and you could do any job at all you could do anything we're not going to pay you. Like you really cannot do anything. Uh, and if that's the case, they will pay. But remember, it's going to be a, a much more difficult situation to get covered. And when you do get covered, a lot of these group plans are free with people like, but that also means that the benefit that you're going to be receiving will be fully taxable. And then to make it even a little more complicated, when you say, look, this company is great. I'm going to be leaving this company for another company. That group plan doesn't go with you. It's not a portable plan. It just stays there with the company and you're off and you're again on your own with nothing. And if you don't have an individual plan, you'll have to hope that the next place you go has a group plan. And again, if even if it does have a group plan, you're going to fall susceptible to those same issues that we just talked about. A little of what you said, Chris, about the difference between individual policies and group policies, group policies, you mentioned it's not portable. So you leave a job, you know, that policy doesn't go with you. They may offer it at this new new job. They may not. It doesn't go with you. And people are often coming and going from occupations. The definition, like what is actually in that contract, like what do they cover is very, very different, going to be much stronger with an individual policy. Um, another one, you're relying on the company. None of these. With the, with the definition part, I went over one definition. That's if you're totally out, but we have to also look at what if you're partially out? What if every year that I'm sick or injured, I may want that benefit to increase? That's called the cost of living adjustment. What about that? What if I have stress or anxiety? What you'll notice is that a lot of the group plans will either not have this at all, it just won't have like a cost of living adjustment, or they're going to be very limited. 
Like you're not going to find a group plan that's going to say, if you have stress or anxiety or depression or drug abuse or alcohol abuse or burnout issues, we're going to cover you to your 65. A group plan is going to say, at most, we're going to give you two years of benefit. You know, you're not going to find it because it's a group plan and because it's, it's free or very close to free. But with a lot of these group plans, we have to realize when it comes to lots of different types of insurance, especially disability insurance, you often get what you pay for. So if you're paying zero, you really should not be expecting this plan to come in and just miraculously take care of you if you have a sickness or an injury. You should expect it to be difficult because you paid almost nothing for it. And I think uh, yeah. one of the biggest sort of tragedies is that a lot of people assume that their income is fully protected by the group plan. And, you know, it, from a planning perspective, and we talk about this broadly with clients that fundamentally, you know, Chris and I often ask groups of residents what their most valuable asset is, and they'll throw out a lot of things that aren't actually the case. It used to be that their iPhone was the most important thing they had, their Roth IRA, their car, that happens rather often too. But realistically, the most important asset anyone has, physician or otherwise, is their ability to earn an income. And to ensure that through your employer with a free product that is almost completely opaque in terms of whether or not they can understand how it functions is kind of, it's kind of shocking and kind of sad in a way because people are, are protecting their most valuable asset with a free product that they know nothing about. And if you really like distill that down, it's, it's borderline absurd. So yeah, group plans are not, they're, they're not relying on them squarely to protect your income is something that we try to help clients avoid making that mistake. And two other points I want to make sorry. sure get covered in a group also, you're you're completely reliant on the company to offer it to you. You know, that's not guaranteed. Like the company can turn around and say, we're not doing disability this year or, or whatnot. So that can always change. I think oftentimes it is a free benefit that the employer uh, will give you and the employer gets a big tax benefit for offering that. What that means is that if the if you were on claim and you were actually to get this benefit, it's completely taxable. Uh, and whereas when you have an individual policy, you're paying that premium with after-tax dollars. That means the benefit is completely tax-free. So that that's a big factor. And I think also we've often found with a lot of these group policies, when you do pay for it, often that premium is age-banded, right? It's like a certain amount of money from 30 to 35 and then 35 to 40, and it gets more and more expensive the older you get. Whereas what we found awesome, often if, if you're young and you can lock into a level premium, you might actually pay less over time. Can you, yeah. uh, can you guys, I, I, but cause I know we have other things to talk about. I want to talk about like some of the things that people often don't think about if they're, if they are disabled and how these individual, the strength of these individual policies, like the language in them, what they cover, like, what are some of those things that, um, really could happen as life unfolds and you are disabled and, and what do these contracts cover? Well, I think broadly speaking, they cover almost every eventuality, provided it hasn't happened in the past for you. So one of the things that's really important for anyone that's doing disability planning is to recognize that there are very few companies left that offer private plans. And if there is past medical history, there are things that they can potentially exclude on a contract. So we try to encourage clients to get a plan as young and as healthy as possible to avoid any exclusions being listed on their contract. But if a client can be approved for a private plan absent of exclusions, it will cover virtually everything that you can imagine. I think that the the things that aren't covered, the list is maybe four or five things, including acts of war and uh, 
things, disabilities that are uh, part of the commissioning of a crime. So absent of those two things, it's a, it's a pretty broad definition of coverage. Yeah, I think the big thing too, that we always wanna be thinking about when a client buys this and they buy a disability insurance plan, we have this conversation with them. It's a very early conversation. This is not something we're doing meeting four, five, six, seven. We're doing this in meeting one because we don't wanna make the mistake of planning a client's entire financial future and then they're exposed to something that could happen today. Like we say that all the time, like we think about you know, with financial advisors, we think about retirement, we think about investing, we think about savings, they're all relevant things, they're all important things to do, but you're much more likely to walk out of your apartment and get hit by a car than you are to retire. For that 20, 30, 40, 50 year old person, it's a much more likely thing to happen. So we wanna like plan for these things and make sure we're covering these things first. And the disability insurance, when it comes down to it, we look at cost, it's typically one to 3% of somebody's income. So we're not saying, oh, buy this, spend, you know, it's gonna be 25% of your income. It's one to it's one to three percent. And it it basically by having that, it takes this gigantic risk off your shoulders. Like if this ever happens, you're gonna be okay. Like you're gonna have money that's gonna come in from the insurance company, it's gonna protect you, you're gonna be able to get better. And if you can, and if you do something else that's not your specialty, that's not what you were doing, you can do that too, and you can make as much money doing it. Like it's a it's a nice thing to have. It makes makes our lives a lot easier too. We have a financial plan for somebody, and they don't have disability insurance, and they get sick or injured. That financial plan is gone. And I think, uh, Chris, I think what you're talking about is is true ONOC. Can you can you explain what true ONOC is and why that's so important? Yeah, true ONOC is it's really important because it's tied directly to the client. So it's the insurance company saying, what do you do? And, and basically it means, what do you do when you get this plan? Like, what is your specialty? What is your occupation? And if you cannot do that occupation, you are considered sick or injured by the insurance company. You could still do whatever else you want to do. You could still make as much money, do whatever else you want to do, and you're still going to get your benefit. And we really like that definition because it just, it's a, it's a nice thing to have to know, look, I can't do this, but I'm I'm still motivated enough, I'm educated enough, I'm resourceful enough to find a job doing something else. I can do that other job and I can make money while I recover. Uh, it, it, it could even be within that industry, right? Like if you have a, a surgeon that can't do surgeries anymore for whatever reason, they could still do a lot of things in that profession that are non-specific to actually performing surgeries, correct? I think we we know somebody who was a dentist and became disabled and then became a professor. He couldn't do. He couldn't be a dentist anymore. But he then became a professor and was successful as a professor, and still kept his disability income coming in because he couldn't be a dentist anymore. Yeah, it's it's really common to have that, and people do that, and, and it's a it's a great benefit to have. And these plans offer it. You're able to take advantage of that. There's a lot. These plans have a lot of really important things where you you just can say to yourself, "All right, I have this in the background. If something goes wrong." I know that I'm protecting my ability to get up in the morning. I can't actually get up in the morning and do my job, but I have this coming in. It's going to replace the income. It just makes our lives a lot easier as planners. And it makes the client feel a lot more confident knowing that, yeah, if something does go wrong here. This is one of the things that could really mess up my entire career. But I got one this. Thing, one thing that I was always an aha to me is, okay, I get disabled, but people often don't think about if you are disabled and now you try and go back to work like how is that impacted and and what are some protections that exist in these individual policies? Yeah, that's the recovery benefit. And that I think that's another key thing. 
Like there's so many different things that are out there with these plans that, that make these plans comprehensive. You have it, yes, you're totally out. As Pete mentioned before, what if you're partially out? You can still get to work, work a little bit. But what if, you know, again, I mentioned this earlier too, you come back to work now and you know, you've lost income. You're healthy, but you lost income for whatever reason. You know, you're a dentist, let's say, and you're seeing people, you know, they're they're there every six months, and all of a sudden you're out for two years. You have a patient that's going, they're gonna go, wait, this my dentist has been out for two years. Like I gotta find another dentist. Like I, I'm gonna go somewhere else. I'm going to leave. And you come back to work, you may notice that your income is dropped because of that. That's a, going to be a benefit as well with a lot of the insurance companies. So, And I think so many people's occupations, they think about like, if you were out of work for two, three years, are you going back to work and making the same amount of money that you were? And what if you, what if you can only go back to work two days a week or three days a week? Yeah. What if you could protect that missing income? Yeah. And, and the, the policies will cover you for everything you just mentioned, they'll cover you for those things. Really interesting. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's, you know, if you're going to do this, let's, let's do it all in, like, let's do it the right way. Like, you know, if you're going to insure your car, for example, you insure the whole car, not just the front two tires. So I think, I think that's really the, the idea here. And, uh, you know, going back to something that, that Pete had said around, you know, and I think Dan mentioned it earlier, your most valuable asset, right? You talked about, you know, the iPhone as a joke, but the funnier part about that is, people insure their iPhones, right? Like most people have, you know, whether it's Verizon or Apple Care or whatever it is, which to replace an iPhone is what, $1,000 or something. But we're not thinking about protecting ourselves, which are these machines that spit out hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Doesn't that just seem obvious and logical? You know, I think a lot of people just don't know that this is an important part of protection. And that's, you know, that's part of the mission we're all on here, right? Well, can you speak to that? Because I think, yeah, Cost is always out there. And I think people evaluate, oh, the risk, do I know how to spend the money on this? Meanwhile, you have car insurance, you have homeowners, you have all this insurance, but like talk a little bit about the cost of disability insurance and how to how to think about that as part of a plan. Well, I think most directly, as Chris had mentioned before, you know, it's one to two percent of your income to replace your income in the event that you can't work. Oftentimes with clients, we paint a fictitious scenario for them of two jobs being offered to them, you know, 100,000 to work at company A versus 97,500 to work at company B, which job do you take? For some strange reason, they always choose job B because they think it's a trick. And we tell them there is no difference between the two companies, just difference in how much you make. Finally, they relent and take job A and say, yeah, we'll take more money. And we say, more power to you, you should. Uh, But then we say, okay, well, this is the difference between the jobs is this. And job one in the first option, if you ever get hurt or sick after six months, you're going to be let go. It's pretty consistent with most employee employment contracts. In in job B, uh, in the event that you get hurt or sick and you can't work, you'll receive, you know, sixty thousand dollars a year, and that'll be tax free. That amount will go up each year by three percent to keep up with inflation. If you're partially working but not working or not working full time, we'll still continue to pay you a part of that benefit. If you can't work for us anymore but you choose to go work in some other field and do something else, we'll keep paying you that benefit for as long as you're unable to work. And that, you know, over time, that benefit will compound at 3% and it'll be probably millions and millions of tax-free dollars under job B. Which job would you take? And of course they choose job B. And really what we're talking about is what is the price of disability insurance to, to add that to your financial plan? And it's, you know, even though there are very few companies left that offer it, and uh, it's kind of, it's a hard product to acquire, you do have to be underwritten for it. The pricing is fairly reasonable. We look at like two, 2% of income to protect your income yearly. Good. 
part of our job too. Part of our job too is with clients, if they're on a limited budget, depending on where they are in life, but we know that they have this trajectory where income is going to get higher and higher. What these plans have is we can say, look, get you an amount of coverage right now. It's going to cover you today. Let's also have a provision that's built in the contract that says, look, later on as income gets higher, I'm earning more. I can go back to the insurance company and say, hey, I'm earning all this additional income now. I want a higher benefit. And the insurance company can't say no. So that's a big thing. Disability insurance is not easy to get. We're talking about this group coverage. We talked about the, the cons of the group coverage. There's a lot of cons. What is the pro of the group coverage? There's a pro too. The pro is if you cannot get an individual disability insurance plan due to health reasons, the group's the best you can do. We're going to tell you the group's great. Do the group. It's the best we can get because we can't get the individual plan. The individual plan is going to offer you a lot more, but it's harder to get. But what these provisions say is you get the plan out, you apply for it. They're going to ask you a bunch of medical questions. You're going to go over a lot of risk questions. It's going to be a little bit of a process. But once you have that, you're good for the rest of your career. Like you want to increase that coverage, you can increase that coverage. They can never go back to you and ask you any questions again. That's right. So, so a lot of what, what we do is we want to make sure this important protection is in place. We want it to be as cost efficient as possible. But within these, there's options where as your income increases, you can increase this. But, you know, ensuring your insurability is a big, big part of disability insurance because I'm sure anyone who's in their 40s or 50s, you realize more and more stuff tends to happen to us. Every time you go to the doctor, there's something else they're writing down. Um, and that can uh, that can prevent you from from getting policies like this. Rob, let me ask you a question because, uh, you know, part of this is to talk about what does it mean to be optimal in all of these categories? So what does it mean to be optimal in the category of disability insurance and include even people who have group coverage? Are you, you, you directed that to me. Yeah, um, for you. Oh, okay. I mean, I would defer to the expert there, but to me, to be optimal in the disability space, you know, if you have the group insurance, it is what it is, right? You can't really opt out of group insurance if it's free. So to be optimal there, what we recommend is supplementing that group policy with an individual true own occupation policy to the maximum ability of your income, right? There's financial underwriting in this. So for example, if you just to keep the number simple, make $100,000, you're going to get that 60% through work, right? Uh, 60,000 of that 100 is covered. The other 40 is not. So a disability insurance through a company through underwriting is going to offer you some amount of that gap. They're not going to offer you the full $40,000 gap because then you are incentivized to remain disabled, right? Um, so you can't quite do that. But what we do is the best you can you can do and then add that future increase option where you're guaranteed to be able to increase this as time goes on. To expand on that, Group policies typically do not cover any additional compensation, whether it's commissions or bonuses that occur throughout the year. So an individual policy is going to account for that as well. So in that same example of $100,000, we're going to fill in that gap of the salary, but we're also going to fill in the gap of if there's another fifty dollars or $100,000 bonus or commissions on top of that. So that's really what optimal in this category is. And from a cost perspective, right? I know that's a big part of this. When you already have 60% through work, we're only talking about covering that supplemental gap. So, you know, we talked about that one or 2%. It would be much less than that to just cover the gap. 
And that's not a difficult thing to be able to do in a cost-efficient way. Yep. Great. How, how'd I do experts? Yeah, very good. Very good. Very good, actually. And I think, uh, you know, I think the statistics say that something around one in four people will have to use a disability policy at some point in their lives, or at least they'll be disabled to an extent where if they had disability insurance, it would pay out. So I think the cost relative to those statistics, I think the cost is is fairly reasonable to make sure you're protecting your income. Hey, Pete, you, you made me think of something that I hadn't thought of before um, when you were talking about the, you know, going back to that cost of the one to 2%, where, you know, I think most people that we're speaking with are contributing some percentage of their income to their 401ks or 403bs or 457s or what have you, you know, their company sponsored retirement plans. And let's just say they were doing, you know, 10%. What would this model look like if they toned that down to, let's say, 8% uh, and added this disability benefit as part of their overall planning? Wouldn't we all agree here that that would be a far more robust plan to protect yeah. against the unknown? No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, And I think it's incumbent on the planner to find the premium to make mm -hmm. it work within the client's financial model. Uh, another advisor once said, if you ask a client, the pushback on disability insurance might be, of course, there's a cost associated with it. So I want to end up with less money at retirement because this whole conversation we have in planning is how do I get as much money accumulated for the future as possible? And a very, a very smart advisor once said that most clients, if you ask them two options, would you like a 75% chance of getting to your maximum wealth output at 65 years old? So you didn't pay for any insurances you didn't need. You saved as much as possible. You got a good rate of return. Would you like a 75% chance to get to your maximum output? Or would you like a 100% chance to get to 95% of your output? Mm. Most people will go with option two. Yeah, and rightfully so. It makes total sense. It's just that you have to couch it in different terms to help people understand the, the justification of the cost of it. Pete, Chris, can you guys just share with us a little of what you do with these young physicians? Like what's your day-to-day? -day? I know you're going in and speaking to the, these guys. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? Pete, you go. Chris, would you like to speak? I'll, I'll speak to that. So I, a number of years ago, probably 10 years ago, Chris and I realized that we were doing the same thing uh, with clients. We were both speaking with physicians, talking to them about basic planning while they're in training. So we started to work together, I would say all over the country at this point, we give residency talks to groups of physicians. Um, and we talk to them about the fundamentals. And one of the most important things is to protect their income, the thing that we've been talking about this whole time. On a day-to-day -day basis, what we're doing is we're in conversations with physicians and residency groups, talking to them about uh, protecting their income, managing their student loan debt, managing a budget while income is relatively modest, and, and, and the steps necessary to transition from... Physicians have an incredible course where they spend over a decade in training, making nothing, working nonstop. And then they get to this, this wonderful point in time where they transition into an attending role. They're typically laden with debt and they've gotten absolutely no financial literacy along the way. And now they're effectively the upper, the upper end of the one percentile in terms of income. So someone who has had no relationship with money other than bleeding it for a decade has to make really prudent financial decisions thereafter with massive amounts of money, massive tax liabilities, massive liabilities, everything that goes along with a higher income. Um, so we try to coach them around being ready to make the prudent decisions in that space as they make the transition from residency to an attending role. You guys are doing great work. This has been uh, incredibly helpful. I'll, I'll, I'll finish up here with just an observation I've had. I think oftentimes 
whenever you think of insurance, people typically think, well, what do I need? What do I need? What's the the pill I have to swallow? And I always, I always talk to people about, well, what would you want in that situation? Um, I have a client who has, a, has always pursued disability and increasing it. And I think a, a big reason is because he actually experienced this with his own eyes. Um, and oftentimes people who are seeking disability insurance, it's a because of a personal experience. I know that this person, their father, I believe they were diagnosed with MS when he was a child and really kind of saw the impact that had on his on his family. And because of that disability, he was able to live a, a good childhood. They were able to pay the bills. They had to have ramps put in the house. But all of that was because of a disability policy that prevented them from really making these compromises and sacrifices. And, and you know, that's really, we only have one life. A lot of curveballs can come at you. And and that's why it's just this these protection things, man, when you need it, you can't get it. So the time to get it is when you don't need it. All right, Chris, Pete, again, thank you guys so much. Um, to find out and learn more um, about Tempest MD, you could visit our website, tempest-financial.com. We have a, a landing page just for the Tempest MD team. And yeah, questions about disability, how to protect your income, the best ways to go about it. You could find us there and reach out to us and we are more than happy to help. Thank you for listening to the Tempest podcast. Visit our website at tempest-financial.com or give us a call at 516-672-0784. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Tempest Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PIS, Guardian, or Tempest Financial Group, LLC, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Robert Schlesinger and Daniel Piankin are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Tempest Financial Group, LLC, is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Robert Schlesinger's California Insurance License Number 0H91023. Danielle Pinkins' California Insurance License Number 0I17252.